I have a right to safety. I have a right to education. I have a right to my culture. Kids like me need to know about child rights and earlier age what to do about it. Today, the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates asks you to make every day a day to stand up for children's rights in your life. If you are a young person who needs the help of an advocate, you can also find the advocate for your own province listed on cccya.ca. Welcome back to Radio Change the World, a national community radio broadcast for National Child Day. On November 20th and 21st, we let the kids have the microphone. The following segment features voices and stories from Nova Scotia. You are listening to CJRU 1280 AM, The Scope, at Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada. CJRU is working with CKDU here in Halifax, along with other campus radio stations, for a special day of broadcast commemorating the UN International Day of the Child. My name is Francella Fialos, and I'm the Programming Director here for CKDU. Over the next hour, you'll be hearing a roundtable discussion I facilitated with four high school students who participated in a Provincial Youth Summit last month held by the Nova Scotia Office of the Ombudsman. They discuss the issues that matter to them and how they approach advocacy work. But right now, here is Liza Ells. She's a 15-year-old from Anakinish who is attending the National Youth Summit currently underway in Ottawa. Um, hi, my name is Liza. Um, I'm 15 and I'm in grade 10 at Dr. John Hugh Gillis Regional High School in Anaganish. And next week I'm going to the National Youth Summit in Ottawa uh, to discuss uh, issues facing youth and hopes to create a, a national children's charter of rights and freedoms for Canada. There's 30 uh, youths from across the Canada across Canada who are uh, getting together in Ottawa and we're just going to discuss uh, issues that are facing youth today um, and just kind of bring to the table different ideas that we think should be included on this children's charter. For me, a big issue is education. Uh, I've noticed in my province in Nova Scotia that a lot of schools are getting closed down and that makes it a lot uh, more difficult for kids to get to school because they don't get to go to school in their own communities anymore. Uh, So an issue that I would raise would be, I think, that every child should have the right to go to school in their own community. So the Provincial Summit, anybody who just had some thoughts to share about youth uh, issues in uh, Nova Scotia, they would apply and then we all got to go and we all discussed all these issues, um, things like education and mental health and the representatives from the office of the ombudsman, they chose me to represent them uh, at this national summit to discuss those issues and uh, give a voice to all the people who spoke at this uh, provincial summit. I definitely have a lot to say about uh, children's rights and issues facing youth, and I was really happy that uh, I got to make a difference in the lives of Canadian children. I was really happy that I was going to be able to make a difference. I think that the Office of the Ombudsman 
supports me as a youth well because at this provincial summit that I went to, they were really there to listen, and you could tell that, and they wanted to know what the issues were that were facing youth today, and they wanted to know how they could make it better. I was having a discussion uh, at this provincial summit uh, with a table of other youths and a representative from the Office of the Ombudsman. We were talking about education and the fallout of the NST youth strike last year, and I was saying that I uh, thought that things kind of didn't go very well for either of the parties, and the representative there, I could tell that they were completely unbiased and they took what I had to say to heart. Um, they just they listened to what I had to say. I think during this uh, NSTU job action, they people were either on one side or the other, and they were very strictly stuck to that side. But, you know, some people were in the middle. They just, you know, they were on education side. And this representative... He was on the side of education, on the side of youth, and he wanted what was best for them. I've always had a strong passion for education and for children's rights. Uh, probably just stemmed from being interested in politics from a young age. Um, my parents were always involved in, I mean, they always voted and they always were uh, followers of politics, so I was too. And it got me thinking about what maybe wasn't being done quite right and what I thought that I could make better. And that kind of uh, grew into an interest in children's rights and in education and making sure that everybody has the same uh, basic rights to prosper. When I was uh, doing a project in school uh, a couple of years ago, I was researching far north of Canada and I found that in the Northwest Territories, a lot of students um, are unable to complete high school in their own communities. They actually have to fly somewhere else to finish high school, and that just makes it really difficult for a lot of people to get their full education, um, and it acts as a deterrent for a lot of people. So that was kind of a moment when I realized there are some injustices happening here. I mean, every child should have the opportunity to go to school, get an education, open doors for themselves, to get the future that they want. And I think that was the moment when I realized uh, children's rights are really important to me and I want to make a difference. How come some people in my country uh, didn't have these same opportunities that I had? Imagine most grown-ups want to be taken seriously with their own issues when they were younger. Um, so that's just all I want. I want to show people that I can be educated about what I'm trying to say and that the issues that I'm bringing forward are important and matter to a lot of youth across the country. Uh, the Office of the Ombudsman is a group of people who stand behind you 100% and they understand that what you're trying to say is important and they want to give you a voice so that you can share that with everybody. That was Liza Ells. You're listening to CJRU 1280 AM, The Scope in Toronto, Ontario, located at Ryerson University. Alex, Akila, Laura, and Madison are four high school students who participated in the Provincial Youth Summit last month held by the Office of the Ombudsman. In this roundtable discussion, you'll hear what they'll have to say about the office, advocacy work, and the issues that matter to them. You'll also hear how the teachers' union worked to rule action in the winter, which forced the cancellation of extracurricular activities, affected all four of them. 
Hi, my name is Laura. I am 16 years old. Hello, my name is Akila, and I'm 16 years old too, and I go to Seattle High. Hi, my name is Madison. I am 17 years old, and I go to Eastern Shore District High School. Hi, my name is Alex. Uh, I am 16 years, sorry, uh, 17 years old, and I go to Auburn Drive High School. Already off with the good math. No, it's okay. Uh, thank you, everybody, for introducing yourselves. Um, how's everybody feeling tonight? Good. 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 Nervous. Nervous? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Madison, can you tell people who are maybe not familiar with the Office of the Ombudsman exactly what it is? Um, okay. Well, the Office of the Ombudsman is um, basically a child's rights and... Um, <laughs> well, it's youth, and I'm not quite sure. Okay, <laughs> I that's know okay. What it is, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else want to take a stab? Maybe we can go around and take a stab. Uh, from what I recollect, the office of the ombudsman is a group that uh, is located usually in each province, and they connect with the local governments to help and establish good policies to benefit children and to make sure that children's rights are never being violated. That's pretty good. That's pretty spot on. Uh, so how about uh, you give some examples as to what kind of cases the Office of the Ombudsman would oversee or help mediate? Akila, do you have anything? Um, I think they'll help people with any issues they have they might have in their life. Um, I think they might help teens and children who might be struggling with their life with anything. Um, they usually have people coming in and then talk to them, and then they try to solve it. That's what I think they do. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm kind of interested, obviously, in learning how that benefits you as a young person when you think about the role in trying to solve problems. Like, what kind, how, do, how does that benefit you as someone going through high school and someone dealing with the issues that a high schooler would deal with? Laura, do you have anything? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, very. Um, no, it's okay. Um, I think it's a really good thing to know that you have someone to talk to because sometimes at schools or with your family you don't have that sort of, you don't feel comfortable enough to reach out to those people. So to know there's, and even though sometimes you m might feel comfortable to talk to them. <sighs> okay, but you brought up something really interesting where you feel like sometimes there you have issues that you can't always talk to with other grown-ups, but you know that there's an entity that's there for you. Would you say that's correct? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Can you give me some examples as to what kind of issues that you would face that maybe you couldn't just talk to anybody about? No, I think you might be, uh, you might have problems with mental health or like bullying at school and then you cannot always talk to the people around you because you might get scared or something. And then if you have someone like the Office of uh, Ombudsman, you can talk to, and then they're always there for you to help. So you can feel that comfort zone in here, even though you might not feel at your own place. That's right. Okay. One so. example I was given um, while I was considering going to the Ombudsman Summit was that should there ever be like a problematic teacher at a school or something, they would be the group that I would be able to go to if I found I was having issues. Okay. And I guess, like, maybe 
what would you want adults or grown-ups who are not entirely familiar with The Office, what would you want them to know? That there are more places than they think for children to go to uh, get help. Sorry, for youth to go to get help. And it's not just within the school. It's also outside of it. It's external areas they can go to. Okay. Well, even for um, youth who want to see a change in their community as well, like there are groups that can get together to figure out ways to make it better for the Gay Straight Alliance or people with mental health. They bring together groups and they decide on what would better them and things that they can change to improve life for youth and yeah, well, stuff like that. So you all mentioned that you're you know, attending high school. Previously you were talking about your report cards and how you know, that may cause some stress and anxiety but definitely a lot of discussion. I guess, like, how did you get involved with the Office of the Ombudsman? Why is this something that's very, very passionate for you, very, um, very important for you? And we can, go, uh, we can go in a circle. So, Madison, if you want to start. Okay. Um, well, my principal had initially brought it up to me. Um, I had a very rough start in high school, and it's my uh, last year, so... Um, he saw a big change in me and he saw that I wanted to put a helping hand in my community and in my school. So um, he asked me if I would like to apply to go to the Senate. And um, I had, I applied and um, I got an email back and it was great and I was very excited. And then um, going into the Senate, it was amazing. I learned many things that I did not know that I would be very interested in and in the uh, actual career field I'm very interested in myself um, but yeah basically I got into it from my principal and I'm very interested in because changing and seeing a change in other people and also connecting with people that um, I had met during the Senate um, interested me very much. So when you say Senate, do you mean like the Senate of Canada? Um, no, no, the Halifax okay. Okay. Senate. The, the Halifax Senate. Senate. Um, and what was that like? What was going through your mind? Um, a lot of excitement, and um, I was kind of curious to see what would go on because I wasn't actually sure of everything that was going to be happening. And um, I ended up also hosting a group um, about talking about past life and experiences that people had um, and it turned out very well but yeah, my overall outlook on the whole Senate was very good. That's really exciting and now you're thinking of a career yeah. somewhere along those lines. Yes. Okay we can talk more about that later but Alex if you wanted to go and talk about your involvement uh, my start wasn't uh, as exciting as hers, uh, but my pre-calculus teacher, who I have quite a bit of respect for, um, I heard him bring it up, and I know him to have some good suggestions for uh, things to try, and I thought, why not just go for it and see what this would be like, and it turned out to be quite an interesting event. Okay. What made it interesting? Uh, just seeing the different ideas that come from other youth within Nova Scotia, and seeing that there are other people that are both passionate about this issue and have different opinions on it and seeing what their thoughts on mental health and uh, bullying and stigma and seeing what, how they feel those sorts of issues can be resolved 
I think that was all really uh, inspiring and interesting to me. Okay. And inspire you to get involved with the office or inspire you to, to what? To uh, see what other ways I can help out within the community and uh, see how we can go forward and see how we can improve these issues. Okay. Akila, you're up. Um, my story was a totally different story from them, but uh, I was noticed by my magazine CEO. Like, I work for a magazine, and then she asked me if I want to go because she thought I would be interested. And then I came here. I was very nervous and exciting, like, looking at all those people. But by the end of the day, they all have different stories to share. Like, I wouldn't, like, I never expected to hear such a good stories from them when I first came here. But um, there were, like, I heard them saying really painful stories that I could never imagine having it in my life. Like, talking to them, like, sometimes I feel very low, like, even though it, the problem itself was really small. But putting myself in their shoes, like, it was, like, they felt really bad, and then their stories were really painful. So it inspired me to help them, like help people like them. So there were a lot of people who were suffering with those uh, drug addicts or abusive contact, like whatever it may be. And um, I really want to help them out. Like that's what I learned from when I first came to, like when I came to Youth Summit here. Okay, so you saw like there were some injustices going on and you just felt compelled to yeah. do your part. Would that be accurate? Yes, I think. Um, well, there is a lot going on than I think it is. So I thought like it would be normal and then the ideas they have and the, the problems there, they're broad than I could ever imagine in my life. So I really want to help them out. That's what I think I should do. Okay. All right, Laura. Okay, so the way I found out about the Youth Summit was that my mom, she did a internship with the Office of Ombudsman. And while she was working there, they were uh, on like early stages of planning the summit. And then um, I think she got an email from someone over there because they knew that my mom had uh, teenage daughters. So they asked if I would be interested in signing up. So my mom talked to me about it and I signed up and it, I'm really glad I did. At first I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure what the whole thing was about. So I knew that we were gonna talk about different issues facing youth but for some reason I had this different idea in my head. I thought we would kind of just sit down and go to the front and talk, but it was much more dynamic. We got to talk to people that had similar life experiences, people that had also different experiences. And as Akila just said, it was really good to get some perspective because sometimes our problems seem so big and when you compare it to other people's lives, you realize that Sometimes they're, they, they, that it's not as bad as it seems. And it was, it was a really interesting uh, opportunity. And I'm really grateful for it. Okay, yeah, you definitely touched on a lot of things that I want to get into. Um, and I guess I'll start with the uh, provincial summit. So I understand that a bunch of, you know, a bunch of young people like you, obviously, 
uh, got together to kind of discuss important issues. And I want to talk about one of them right now. And a few of you already brought them up. So mental health was obviously a very big issue. Uh, I guess for adults, like what do they need to know about youth and mental health and what your needs are? I think just um, sometimes they have this idea of at least I've met a lot of adults that are like that, that depression, they don't quite understand it. So they'll say... It's not a real sickness. Yeah. They'll say, oh, it's not a real thing. You're just being sad because you're ungrateful. You don't value the things that you have. It's because you pity yourself. I I heard that a lot. You pity... Really? Yeah. Like you pity yourself. You're not fighting against it. And... A lot of things like that. So it's really, I, I feel like they should just learn more about it and learn that it's an actual serious thing and you can't control it all the time. How did that make you feel when you heard that? Oh, um, at first I thought, well, they're right because they're adults, so they know what they're talking about. And yeah, maybe I am pitying myself, so I should work on it. But, but it depended a lot on my mood. Sometimes I would just get angry and be like, you don't understand what I'm going through. You are awful. Um, I'm just not going to take you seriously. I am a misunderstood teenager, but yeah, sometimes I, I guess it just depended a lot on the situation. Well, I have never faced any mental health problems, but uh, when I'm talking to my parents, I personally never felt really comfortable because of the background I'm from. Um, if I say something and then they would always back it up, like you should be like this and then you should be like that, you should never be complaining about the stuff you are complaining about. So uh, I was raised like that kind of. So I, w- I never felt really comfortable talking about my problems. So I just kind of kept everything to myself instead of like talking to someone. So sometimes I do feel like I should have someone to talk to. And then I think, but be help for people like me here. So what did they what did they do specifically for that? I want to know. Uh, the office of investment. Yes. Um, I think they can provide a great, a really great help. Like sometimes you don't really have to do anything. You just need someone to talk to. Like you feel comfortable when you have someone to talk to. You feel like you have someone in your life rather than me. You know, like I do have a lot of people. I just don't feel comfortable talking with. Like. I was just raised that way. Right. I cannot explain it even more. No, no, no. I think you did a good job of explaining it. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting, obviously. Uh, another issue that was brought up um, was about stereotypes. And obviously that can kind of encompass a lot of different things. But I wanted to first talk about um, the youth stereotype because it kind of relates to mental health and what you were saying, Laura. So what were kind of some solutions and some discussions that you had at the summit about uh, stereotypes? I think the biggest issue with uh, the sort of idea of stereotypes is that usually adults can't put uh, a face to the stereotype. It's just more of a description. And I think that the biggest solution would be to perhaps introduce them to people who they may consider to be of a stereotype and sort of show them that it goes a lot deeper than that and to automatically presume that they are just that one simplistic term 
is shallow and a very ignorant in that sense. Okay. And I guess like what, what are some tangible things that you feel empowered to do thanks to the summit, thanks to the office now when you encounter stereotypes or feel like you're being stereotyped? My major uh, resolution now is whenever I sort of notice those things, just not rudely and not uh, angrily, but to just firmly explain that there's a little bit more to it than that. That let's say that they're trying to describe someone who perhaps is going through some um, more emotional instability is simply the word emo. Just say, I, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's just that easy to cut, to brush it off as that. I think it runs a little bit deeper than that. And you might want to hold off on using that term. Okay. Does anybody else have anything to add? Yeah. And when it comes to stereotypes, I feel like even teenagers themselves, they will use the the word, like as you just said, emo, mm -hmm. without really knowing mm -hmm. what it means. And just be like, yeah, this was my emo phase because I wore black and I wore my hair that way. But it goes, yeah, it, as he said, it goes deeper than that. Just to anybody who's lost, like what does that even mean, emo? Oh, yeah, the thing is, I, I don't know 100% because of people use it <laughs> People use it in such wrong ways. I've generally been called an emo quite a few times throughout my uh, middle school for having dark makeup and dark clothing and um, dark hair as well. And um, I guess my kind of what I got out of it, my description of emo, is basically someone who wears dark clothes, is depressed and sad and harms themselves and basically around that general like area wearing dark clothing and makeup and sad all the time mm -hmm. kind of person so if you've been called that how did that like how did that make you feel when you were called that it made me kind of laugh because to me that's I know who I am and I know that that's not that's not even a meaning towards myself and even to other people it doesn't really generally fit them, I guess. I'm not really, I don't know. It didn't really bug me too much because I knew that it wasn't anything towards me, actually who I am, so. And I think context is a huge part of that. Like, I think how someone utilizes a term like that, if it's simply just to make a joke, that's one thing where when it comes down to actually attempting to sort of label someone as that, that's another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, if somebody called you emo, how would you respond now, going through this summit, having these solutions, thinking about it more clearly? Like, how would you respond to someone if they just called you emo? Like, if someone tomorrow called you emo? Just tell them that they're wrong and they don't know me. Just laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. And just say no. Probably just ignore it or joke about it. Be like, yeah, I really am. Just, yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you all for that. I know that maybe is like a very weird, touchy subject, but we can move on to education and how you feel that that is an important issue. Obviously, as a young person, education is kind of at the forefront of everything that you're doing. Can you discuss uh, of the role of education in your lives? Oh yeah, um, I feel like um, 
it is it is really important like right now even though sometimes we don't really want to admit it this is is these are the most important years of our life in a way because they kind of and i mean it's never late to start over and all that stuff but um yeah education in school is really important because i don't know it just it's kind of like the first step to um your professional yeah to your professional life you know you start working with that and dealing with deadlines and you're just gonna i don't know never mind it just it's a hard subject right yeah. like school is really tough right it is yeah and i guess i'm just wondering like what what do you feel empowered to do now to make it better not just for you but for other people For the most part, I will say that Nova Scotia has done a, a pretty decent job at education. Uh, Canada in general has. But uh, for things to improve upon, um, one of the major ones, I, I guess, would be to make sure that the workload is balanced. Um, one thing I do notice, at least in my school, is uh, quite a few of the more heavy-duty courses. Uh, it's usually a lot of the same people taking them. And what ends up happening is they get such a large workload that they just end up not really being able to tackle it all. And I think that really is something that should be attempted to be toned down a bit, um, just to make sure that they're able to digest it all and help them earn better grades. And, so, and that will, in turn, um, allow them to then apply for scholarships with better grade averages and have a better chance at getting into universities that they want to. Okay. Yeah, the workload, yeah, it's really big. And the thing is, we already spend 30 hours a week at least at school and then they also send us homework which takes more of our time and the time that I feel like we could be using to take care of our physical health our mental health and just just resting you know because you need that just to balance it out but you can't because some people also have jobs and volunteer work so it's hard okay um that yeah yeah school is really tough having like when you're I don't I guess you're in that age where you can also like have a job part-time too and then when you're balancing those things it can be really difficult um, I kind of want to go back in time a little bit and discuss the job action uh, that was done by the teachers union so can you can you kind of like put me there and put me like how it affected you at that time oh the work rule? yeah oh that was that was really bad and I'm just gonna start by the fact that they didn't let us uh, get inside the school until nine o'clock and my bus got uh, got there got at school at 850 and during winter I had to wait outside for 10 to 15 minutes just to just so I could get get inside school and that was really tough because I'm not from here I'm not used to this weather so it was it was insane um, sometimes you weren't good in some subjects and you always need extra help, extra help. And then when work to rule was happened, there wasn't any ex extra help available. So I kind of felt that uh, that was a problem for a lot of students because you, if you're not that person who always like get good grades in every subject, you obviously need extra help and there is no one to provide you that extra help then you have to pay for the tuition or like a 
high-paid tutors out of the outside of school, and that will cost you a lot of money if you're not working. That will be a problem for your parents, right? And then, obviously, you have to leave the school at a certain time. If it's snowing outside, it's really hard for you to wait outside until your parents come get you. And then it's really hard. Like for me, I would take my bus at um, 8:30, so I had to wait like a half an hour outside of the school. If not, I have like I'll miss my bus and then I'll be late to school. So I had to take my early bus, which will end up, which will leave me waiting for 30 minutes, which was really hard for me during the work rule. And then there were a lot of other things that affected my friends too, because uh, they needed extra help and then they weren't getting any. So we actually had a group where we can help others tutoring in subjects. So I kind of really yeah. So, like, you guys got together on your own yeah. and tutored each other. Yeah. Did you experience that, too? Uh, I saw it. I should note quickly that um, my take on the whole thing was that despite the whole purpose of it and uh, whether or not it was justified, the whole way it was executed and represented um, by the union heads was um, lackluster, to say the least, and didn't help justify the cause. Um and I know that one person in particular was taking on countless people and tutoring them, and I ended up having two good friends who were struggling extremely in math, and um, they didn't want to do it over, but if they didn't get any help, which it was looking like they weren't, they weren't going to make it through, so I had to um, help them out also. And just the whole experience in general was just a train wreck, because we see all of these activities that we're used to, sports and extra help and any other external stuff from uh, what we had called Reach for the Top or any cheerleading stuff or anything at all. And it all just went. And that was not only a shock for everyone because that's half the reason why a lot of people go to school. It's not even really for the education. There are some people who just go for the sports and for the fun of it, of those external activities. So it was just sort of not good for anyone involved. And I know that with the groups I worked with, we ended up basically just being put out on a string until the work to rule situation ended. And then we were panicking to get ourselves back in order in time to host an event or two. So in the end, it, it just, it was very, it, even if it was well executed, I, I wouldn't say that the impact was focusing on the people it should have. It should have been more focused towards the government than the students because the students don't really have the power that, that is needed oh, to Oh, that's really yeah. interesting. I agree with you. Yeah, it was, yeah, they just ended all extracurricular activity. Um, no more sports and it, I just, I'm in grade 11, but for a lot of people that were in grade 12 and that were doing sports and pretty much depended on a sports scholarship I just imagine how hard it should have, it could have, it must have been for them, because yeah. they weren't they yeah they didn't have practices games or anything like that. And as he said, the people that ended up being affected the most were the students that had nothing to do with it. Like, unfortunately, we can't control or make any big decisions about the school system and the teachers' payment, uh, classes size, because I feel like that was one of the things that they were complaining about that the classes were too big and unfortunately there's nothing that we can do about it like if we could we would but we can't 
that's that's really deep like at that time you must have felt really helpless and powerless and and it didn't work out really well for the teachers because even if they got their contract what ended up happening was it there was a lot of backlash to it so it ended up going from some students supporting it like yeah this is fine we get it you want to get a good contract and that that's good to a lot of students being against it and a lot of parents being against it because it was just so poorly handled the entire time and just the entire thing wasn't directed towards the people it should have been. Mm. Yeah. And I imagine like this was something that was discussed in the provincial summit. No, actually, we, yeah. uh, we strayed away from this. We focused mainly on uh, issues facing youth that are still ongoing okay. because luckily this has been resolved and now we're back to the normal stuff. Okay. I bring that up because uh, someone I talked to yesterday, Liza, she brought up how she brought up her concerns about the work to rule action and how someone from the office had heard her and she felt very supported by this person and I wanted to I wanted to see if, if you felt the same but if you didn't discuss it as a group then that's fine um, but obviously that's still a, an issue that is relevant when discussing education when discussing your role and your rights and your advocacy work something like that is kind of how it gets amplified um, Okay, so thank you for that discussion on that. And I'm sorry it was very difficult for you. Uh, do you felt like your perspective was heard at that time? I sort of pushed it to be heard by discussing it sometimes in class, but it was a bit like walking on eggshells at points because I know there were some people that were for it, and I, I wanted to make sure that the way I was wording myself wasn't going to offend or anger them. A very last, last question. Uh, when you think of tr children's rights, when you think of these, this the advocacy work that you do, what's the one word that comes to mind? Consistency. Um, I will say that Canada, one of the best things about it is that it really is a place where almost anyone can make it and almost anyone is guaranteed the same rights. And while there are things that Canada can work on, as evident by the fact that um, the UN did supply uh, or, what's, sorry, I'm sorry, was it UNICEF or the UN that uh, supplied the PowerPoint for the, the U uh, LinkedIn? The, or sent um, me? Oh, the, the document with the yeah. report on reports? Yeah. That was um, on the Ontario Child Act. Ah, yeah. sorry. Um, but anyway, the uh, PowerPoint uh, that I did manage to look at uh, shows ways that Canada can improve for uh, dealing with crimes against children and for child abuse and uh, for crimes that children commit, and for education, and many more uh, issues that they feel could be improved upon. But at the end of the day, uh, when you look at the rest of the world, it's a lot less consistent. So I recently was shown a TED Talk in my English class where we got to, I'm sorry, I can't recall the woman's name right now, but she discussed how she went to many um, third world countries and decided to go into more... Uh, forested and remote areas and she found many areas where children were being used as slaves where they were being trafficked and utilized for everything ranging from gold to dyeing uh, sorry I mean as in uh, painting and it was uh, a good shock to the senses of the fact that Canada and the rest of the world really do have quite a contrast in the rights that they guarantee children and how they enforce them Akila is looking at a brochure right now. Um, 
to me, children's rights in Canada are great, but I think they need some correction. Like what? Um, like they're getting everything they need, but there are something that missing, like in the middle path. Like if the school is offering like a teacher to support them, they might not support them. So they need to make sure that uh, that their the the children is or the youth itself they're getting the they're getting enough support they needed. So compared to other world, like other countries, Canada is like a really great place, even for the youth or like for people to live. Like all the free education here, free healthcare, it's absolutely great. But there are some other con- like corrections. I think that should be made here, like in the education system. Can I talk about it? Yeah, go okay. ahead. But like from where I belong to, the education the education system is completely different here the the work the work is too hard like like when you pr- uh, like until grade nine it was kind of like a okay path and once you hit high school there's like tons of things going on like you have your outside of school like inside of school work uh due dates everything come up at the same time in three years you have to learn everything that you need for your career that's a lot like in three years if you're experienced like your brain is not that mature at that time, and then you need to develop everything. While instead of that, you should have like your exams, like once in a while, like in elementary school or junior high itself. Like it will be helpful. Like instead of having all the stuff at once, it should be like equal. Yeah, oh, okay. I feel like as you said, it should be spread out more evenly throughout the your school life, because it is a lot. Because in high school, you only have three years to kind of decide what you have to do um, and what you have to choose as a career. And as you said, a lot of people are not mature enough to deal with that and to make uh, and to come to make those big decisions. So yeah, I feel like that's one thing that maybe it should be more even throughout your school life when it comes to making big decisions and how to be an adult pretty much like they teach you all they teach you math and chemistry but they don't really teach you how to pay taxes and do all of those things that you're gonna need for the rest of your life mm-hmm. um but yeah one word i can't i can't really just children rights in general right so I agree with what Alex said about consistency because, you know, but it's also about the resources, right? Some countries are, um, they have better resources than others. They have more money than others. Um, But yeah, I feel like the UN and UNICEF should be, should kind of help the countries that need most to deal with those things. And they they do that. They are already doing that, but still. I feel like they need more support, I guess. And people need to realize how important those organizations are because sometimes they don't. Because the truth is children are the future. And you, if you want a good future, you need to invest in children, invest in education because those are really, really important things. So just that people need to realize the importance of it 
the importance of children's rights. Well, I think that's a good note to end off. Um, you were all very eloquent and sounded great. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me, Laura, Alex, Madison, Akila. This was really fantastic, and uh, hope to hear from you all very soon. Say thank you and goodbye. Thank you for thank having you for us. Having us. Thank, you for, thank you for having us. That was Alex, Akila, Laura, and Madison speaking at the Office of the Ombudsman. That's all for us today from CKDU. Be sure to continue listening to CJRU 1280 AM The Scope for more programming on the UN International Day of the Child. My name is Francella Fialos, CKDU's Programming Director. Thanks for listening. a right to safety. I have a right to education. I have a right to my culture. Kids like me need to know about child rights and earlier age what to do about it. Today, the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates asks you to make every day a day to stand up for children's rights in your life. The CCCYA is a group of advocates, ombudsmen, and representatives working to uphold the rights of all children and youth. This is especially crucial for Indigenous youth who continue to be overrepresented in the child welfare system. How can you stand up for child rights? Be aware and share information about child rights with your neighbours, teachers, and friends. Be ready to act when a child or youth needs your help. You can find resources about child rights and the Council at cccya.ca. If you are a young person who needs the help of an advocate, you can also find the advocate for your own province listed on cccya.ca. This has been a message from the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates. Thank you for listening to Radio Change the World a community radio broadcast about child rights in Canada. Ryerson student and youth advocate, Karis, heard about our broadcast and wanted to contribute. She wrote this song, Change the World, especially to remember all the children we lost this year and to empower the youth of tomorrow. Taking flight to higher heights, but you're pulling me down, cutting me down, shoving me down. I am more than my religion, my complexion, disability, more than your perception, so much greater, but you're holding me down. If I could run away
Change the world. 